We are a community that loves like Jesus. And my hope and my prayer is that this would be a transformative experience for you. Today, we're continuing our sermon series called The Best Stories Ever. And today's sermon is titled Life Audit 360. Today, we're going over a story about the person named Zacchaeus. And maybe you've heard the little cute song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Well, today we're going over the subject matter of repentance and how Zacchaeus turned from his wicked ways and turned towards godly ways and began to follow Jesus. Now, giving you a little bit of history, Jesus has been around long enough at this point in Luke 19 that people are following him. He has some crowds following him around, listening to his sermons or wanting things from him. Some people want to get things from him, actually. They wanted healing or wanted to be fed. Some were bored and they wanted to to be entertained. They were looking for the show, the miracle show. Some people were just following the soap opera and the drama of each town. Some were actually spies because there were people who believed that Jesus was not doing everything they thought he should do. Well, right before this story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19, we see a miracle in Luke 18, which is actually the setup of the story of Jesus being for the sinner and not for the righteous. People who didn't feel, think, or perceive that they had it all together or maybe are falling short or weren't perfect versus those that were pious or even thought that they were perfect. So Jesus goes to this town of Jericho, and there's a blind man there, and Jesus asks basically what's going on, and the crowd begins to like follow and start yelling at him, it's Jesus, and the blind man actually yells out, Jesus, help me, son of David, help me. Well, calling Jesus son of David means that this blind man very well thought that Jesus was actually the Messiah. The blind man was persistent. Now, people try to get the guy to shut up, but he gets louder and louder and louder. So Jesus hears this man and asks what he actually wanted, and the blind man said he wanted sight. So at this point, Jesus does something that blows everyone away. He heals the blind man. See, now you have to remember in context, in those days, people believed that there was something very wrong with you or that you were sinful or you had evil inside of you if something physical was like blindness or not being able to walk. You had a physical ailment because of the sin inside of you. That was their tradition. So the blind man, according to their thought and belief, deserved to be blind because he was paying some debt or he was, he was guilty of some sin. So Jesus heals a man that deserved, quote-unquote, his physical ailment. And that was a problem for the people that were on looking and watching this situation. Well, in Luke 19, starting in verse 1, and we're going to go all the way through verse 10. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull that device out, an app or a paper Bible, and open to Luke 19, 1 through 10, and it goes like this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler amongst tax collectors, was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was. 
But being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, who is about to pass that way. Well, when Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay in your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. Everyone who saw this grumbled. They were probably pretty shocked, saying, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. So Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this household because he too is a son of Abraham. The human one, Jesus, came to seek and to save that which was lost. So at this point, Jesus is revealing to us the heart of God. God's mission, he says, is to seek and to save that which is lost. So the heart of God basically is grace and mercy to the lost. Not only does he want to give mercy to the lost, that is the reason he came and died on the cross, mercy in the tangible form on earth, but also grace and forgiveness for eternity so that the lost may be found. Well, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And in those days, a tax collector was definitely considered a sinner. He was a Jew working for the Romans. That was, that was just a no-no. He made a living basically off of taking extra. He would charge extra, so he was considered a thief. And he was hated by the Jews. So his only friends were considered throwaways. He was considered a throwaway, an outcast, the other. They othered him. But he also only could hang out with others as well because he was a cheater. He was a thief. He took from the nation of the, the Jewish people. So now this was not the first time that Jesus hung out with a tax collector. We're going to go over that in Matthew chapter 9 where we see the call of Matthew. So what does this teach us first? Well, first it teaches me that Jesus shows us who he's looking for. He's looking for people who actually don't think they match up to all the rules, that those that actually believe they've fallen short or those that believe they're not perfect. A pious person walks around thinking that they can be sinless, and Jesus is looking, and I'll just say it, looking for sinners. He's looking for people who make mistakes. And in God's minds, we're, we all make mistakes. And Jesus likes to use messed up people to reach out to messed up people. Why? Because we're all messed up and Jesus uses, uses messed up people because that's all that he has to work with is messed up people because everyone's messed up. So remember that Jesus had a goal to share the gospel. The good news is forgiveness, grace, and mercy to the world, to everyone. And he wanted to train also the disciples. Well, like I said, this is not the first time that Jesus hung out with such notorious sinners. In Matthew chapter 9, we see the call of Matthew, who was also a tax person. He also was a tax collector. And in verse 9 of Matthew 9, it says this, as Jesus continued on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a kiosk for collecting taxes. He said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. 
So as Jesus sat down to eat in Matthew's house, so again, a guest in the house, many tax collectors and sinners joined Jesus and his disciples at the table. If you can imagine that discussion and you can imagine the perception, like the disciples are probably looking at these tax collectors and basically thieves going, wow, we are, we are breaking honor. We are breaking loyalty. We are basically being traitors. But when the Pharisees in verse 11 saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. Go and learn what this means. I want mercy and not sacrifice. I didn't come to call righteous people. I came to call sinners. So if we take Luke 19 and overlap it in with Matthew 9, we learn a lot between these two stories about who Jesus was, who Jesus was reaching out to, and what he wanted from those that he was reaching into their lives, what he wanted from their lives. Well, first off, Jesus chooses the worst of the worst. Again, a tax collector, worst of the Jews. Zacchaeus was the tax collector. Matthew was the tax collector that worked for the Romans, taking taxes from the Jews. So basically, Zacchaeus was a traitor, like I said. And a tax collector, he would double tax. So he would go to the Jews and not only tax, but but then he would double tax. So they made their real money off of this overcharge. So the scripture actually calls a tax collector scum, or notorious sinners. So to get to this point of, of life, not only would you have been uh, feeling or experiencing an outcast that so you would actually do this to your people, but you would actually be, must be willing to do just anything. So the tax collector usually just hung out with other prostitutes and thieves, those that were willing to do anything and everything as well. So Matthew 9 also reveals that Jesus didn't come for those that thought that they had it all together. He came for those which needed a doctor, those that were sick. Jesus reveals to everyone in the crowd, Pharisee, religious people, disciples alike, everyone in the crowd, Jesus communicates, God thinks everyone is a sinner. Everyone is sick. Now, they probably were thinking, and maybe you think too, I follow the rules. Well, in God's eyes, no one follows the rules perfectly. God is a God of perfection, and therefore, we must be perfected to have eternal life. And this message for every single pious person needs to sink in. We are all sinners. There's no pride in Jesus's eyes. There's no piousness and and no perfection in the human realm. Only through Jesus can we be perfected. So our spiritual stink basically smells in the nostrils of God more than the thieves of, 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 of the thieves' physical stench. And so our spiritual stink is that we fall short. So to think that we actually don't fall short, that's pretty, pretty prideful. So God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So let's read a couple of scriptures here. Romans 3.20, it says this, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the rules, or what's called in Romans, the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. 
So basically what that means is I'm given this set of rules in the law and I can see that my life doesn't match up to that set of rules. So therefore I have fallen short, but through the set of rules, I can see that I fall short. It's, it's kind of like the evidence that I see that I don't match up. And so God does not perfect us through law. The law reveals the conscience of, of sin. So Romans 3.23 says, therefore, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, what's really cool, and, and I understand that sin and calling us sinners and falling short of the glory of God, that's really harsh language. And it's, in a sense, in our culture today is passe to say, you're a sinner or stand at the at the street corner and just yell at people, sinners, sinners, repent. You know, you've seen maybe that before in, in your life. But what's really cool, even though that language is harsh, and I, I don't believe in standing on street corners and yelling at people, calling them sinners, even though some people do. What's, what's cool, though, about God is this. Even though we have fallen short of God's glory, we are still loved by God, no matter what. And that's the message that we need to yell from the street corner, that we are loved, that there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Let me repeat that. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God loves you exactly the way you are. And because he loved you so much, he sent Jesus to die for us so that whoever puts their faith in him can have eternal life. Well, God asks us to do something. He shows up in our life in a miraculous way. He calls us to him like Matthew 9 and Luke 19. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to walk into your house and I'm going to dine with you and I'm going to give you salvation. And there's something that he asks of us. And we see that in the Zacchaeus story is this idea of repentance. See, Zacchaeus changed the way that he lived and Jesus rejoiced. Jesus blessed him because Zacchaeus says, I'm, I'm going to turn from this wicked way. I'm going to turn from this evil and I'm going to turn towards you, Jesus. So Zacchaeus always thought that stuff was more important than anything, but he realized that money wasn't in everything. And Jesus' Jesus's rewards were more important than money. So he went from caring about himself to caring for others. He went from leading himself only to allowing God to lead him and eventually leading others to Christ. So he didn't merely just believe or have some mental assent and look like he believed. No, that outward piety was just, that was reserved for the Pharisees. He truly repents of his behavior and follows Jesus. So repentance is a heart change. It's a heart change that leads to an action change. And it's an action change that produces good works. Repentance is a heart change that leads to an action change 
that produces good works. So a relationship with God means that we have a new way of looking at life. We have a new purpose. We have a new new set, like a set of goals in our life. So Jesus came for those who are sick of their sin and need something different in their life. Jesus came to those who desired this heart change, which can turn into an action change, which then we would produce good fruit, it's called. And so we would have good works in our lives. We would learn to love other people. So before Jesus, we were the most important. I at the center of everything, S-I-N, I at the center of my life. I was most important. Now we see things differently. We see things eternally. We see things heavenly. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. By, by all means, we're not perfect. It means that we have a different focus, a different purpose. We have a different goal in mind. Well, in Matthew 3, many Pharisees and Sadducees came to be baptized by John. He said to them, you children of snakes, who warned you to escape from the angry judgment that is coming soon? Produce fruit that shows you have changed your heart and lives. Produce fruit that shows this repentance. Don't even think about saying to yourself, Abraham is our father. I I belong to this tribe. I tell you that God is able to raise up Abraham's children from these stones. So repentance leads to the heart towards others. It's not about following a set of rules. It's not about being perfect. It's not about making sure that you're not making any mistakes. It's about a relationship with the person of Jesus and that relationship and that that growth, that spiritual growth in our life leads to mind change, which leads to action change, which leads to the love for other people. So people move then from objects, objectification to, to people that, that we love and they're people, they're, they're persons of, by, loved by God. So in Galatians 5, it says this, for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, it makes no difference to God whether we are circumcised or not circumcised, meaning we are Jew or Gentile, basically. What's important is faith expressing itself in love. So love is our goal, to love others, that our repentance, that Jesus comes to us, calls us, and and enters our house, dines with us, the notorious sinner, and gives us eternal life, and says, change your ways. And when we change our ways, he says, go to the ends of the earth and love people. Go to the ends of the earth and give them my message of love, the gospel that the good news is for them as well. Make disciples to the ends of the earth. So I believe that Jesus changes our hearts to love others in a very meaningful way. And we, when we learn to love others in a way that changes their lives as well, we are then therefore carrying out the mission and the great commission and the commandments of God. So what is our job? Well, we need to look for people in sycamore trees. 
when we're just going about our day on our journey, on our pilgrimage into our eternity, we, we look for people in sycamore trees. We look for the notorious sinners to invite into, uh, to invite into our lives, to, to love them in meaningful ways, to provide for their needs and to show them the love of Christ so that their lives would change as well. So 2 Peter 1 says, by his divine power, the Lord has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of the one who called us by his own honor and glory. Through his honor and glory, he has given us his precious and wonderful promises that you may share the divine nature and escape from the world's immorality and sinful craving, the sinful craving that it produces. This is why you must make every effort to add excellence to your faith. Moral, to moral excellence, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, endurance. And endurance, godliness. And to a godliness, affection for others. And to the affection for others, love. And if all these are yours and they're growing in you, they'll keep you from being inactive and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you put your faith in Christ and repent of our ways that fall short of the glory of God, God is pleased. And that's what Zacchaeus did. He went from thieving people and taking their money and doing IRS audits on people's lives and are you paying enough or are you not paying enough? He, he went from that behavior to doing a life audit 360 and changing his heart and changing his purpose and changing his goals to be more like God. And that's what makes this story the best story ever. So let's take communion with that in mind. As Jesus sits around a table with people that have definitely fallen short of the glory of God, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat, say thanks be to God, and repent, change your ways, and learn to love people in your life. Take the love of Christ with you. Look for people in sycamore trees. Give, be generous, be faithful to them, loyal to them. Show them kindness show them gentleness, show them goodness, and show them Christ. And we take and we eat. This is the body and the blood of Christ, and we do this in remembrance of him. Thanks be to God. Father, thank you for the story of Zacchaeus, that even a notorious sinner can turn towards Jesus, that can turn towards you and receive and accept love and grace and mercy and turn around and give it to other people. Lord, help us to do the same in our lives as we go around about our days. Help us to look for people in sycamore trees. Lord, to show them love, to show them Christ, to give them the good news that you came for them as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.